0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The readings we've heard are a godsend to me this morning because of all my characters of the Old Testament, my very, very favorite is Elijah. Elijah and I could spend a whole day talking about Elijah, but I just want to take that reading that we've heard about Elijah's encounter with the widow at a very difficult time in Israel's history, a time of drought, to illustrate maybe how we as Christians ought to regard that access to food which the Lord provides as a keystone not only of Elijah's uh, way of explaining God's purpose for God's people at that time, but Jesus coming before the 5,000 and taking the small offering that the boy brought and making it a great feast, a feast which is not just for a few, but for all. Elijah, of course, when had his ups and downs in, in ministry, he was a prophet and therefore he was called on, to speak the word of the Lord. And he wasn't popular. He spoke some very unpopular things. Why? Because he lived at a time when people were chasing after many gods, and he wanted them to follow the one God. He wanted to proclaim a reign of justice and righteousness, but he didn't reckon with having King Ahab and Queen Jezebel who chased off after other gods and who certainly didn't treat the people, God's people, well. Elijah then lived in an unjust world, a world full of false idols of power and wealth, those who were seizing prophets and killing those who stand up for righteousness. And if nothing else, the story of Elijah teaches us this. It teaches us our dependence on what God Provides. But it also reminds us of what God demands of us to share bread with the poor and to bring life where there is only death. And if you go on that website for Christian Aid, you will hear many heartwarming stories of how people around the world are being helped by Christian Aid and its partners in bringing bread to the hungry and life where there might only be death. How they transform the lives of many, many communities throughout the world, not just Zimbabwe and Kenya and Bolivia that they are focusing on this year, but many places. Now the Bible passages we've heard this morning remind us that God's provision is for all. It's for the common good, but it depends on people working together for that common good. And the Bible, time and time again, reminds us that God comes particularly to the poor and vulnerable, and God will provide if only people listen and respond to God's challenges and demands upon us. Let's get to Elijah. We hear that Elijah arrives amidst that crisis because of the drought in Israel I guess Elijah would have felt at home today in a Europe which is rocked by the problems in the Eurozone and in a world where there are such disparities between wealth and poverty. Drought conditions have caused that national famine in Israel and God is determined to do something about it. God sends his prophet Elijah to Zarephath in Sidon outside Israel And as far as Elijah's concerned, that command to journey back to the land where his hated Queen Jezebel had come from was not good news. It might even involve him in confrontation. That was a a nation that had turned its back on Yahweh, the one God, the one God who'd saved his people from bringing them through the desert and the wilderness into a land of milk and honey. That's why the people of Israel were there in the first place. So to go into a land where there were foreign gods was not easy. He's being sent not to a suffering Israelite widow, but to an outsider, a foreigner who does not worship his God and in who in some ways represents all that he thinks is bad about the world. But that just shows into sharp relief the truth that runs throughout the Bible, that God isn't impressed by national or racial identity. Rather, God's concern is for those who are powerless, the starving, the suffering, those living in lives full of fear and anxiety, those drained of time and energy to work for God's good, for all people. Those who are, yes, in our present climate, political and economic migrants in this world of need that we live in. And Israel, as Isaiah the prophet reminds them, is to be a light to all the nations of the world. And I guess that doesn't sound like something that might appear in a UKIP manifesto. On first appearance, it doesn't seem like Elijah has understood the message either. God has to get through to him. Far from offering any personal assistance to this poor widow, never mind getting any provision for her and her son who are starving, he puts additional strain on their very meagre resources. What does he do? He requisitions for his own use the little water and the morsel of breads that they've got, something that marauding armies of occupation have done throughout the centuries when invading other countries. But at the same time, Elijah reveals that if the widow offers what she has, then God will provide. God will provide for today. God will provide for the duration of the famine. The promised provision is secured. We can see that God is at work. And even in those difficulties, Elijah sees that. The widow, though, has to do something herself. She has to work for the common good. She could, I suppose, have shown Elijah the door and decided to eat what she had and, as she says, die. But she shares, and Elijah's word comes true, for God's provision is sure. So too, people today, with Christian aid in whole loads of projects around the world, like the text messaging project in Kenya. Have you all switched your mobiles off? Maybe not. Perhaps at this very moment you're tweeting or getting information downloaded uh, for, uh, to, to alleviate the boredom of the sermon. Who knows? And I'm not going to ask. But in Kenya, Christian Aid have brought the work of developing an SMS tech me- a messaging service so that many can receive a note of when the weather is changing and when the conditions are ripe to make their crops more profitable, to utilize their resources, to maximize those crops, working together for the common good. So modern technology responding to the the challenges of climate change and bringing new life to farmers in East Africa. But the promise of God's providence is not without cost. In Elijah's time, it not only requires the widow to decide to make it happen, it requires her to take a risk. She must have faith in relinquishing, giving up the little that she has got so that others may be fed. Of course, we hear heartwarming stories from around the world, from our Christian aid partners in Bolivia and Kenya and Zimbabwe who are helping to move the people there from the daily struggle for food to the healthier diet that has resulted in the water projects that Julie shared with us earlier on in the service, in many, many practical projects, bringing the resources that others around the world have with the resources of people that they have. If only they will make that leap of faith. Perhaps sometimes investing the small amounts of money that they've got, in cooperative ventures uh, in the villages and communities concerned. What I ask you is, what is the leap of faith that we are prepared to take with even more resources? What leap of faith must is demanded of us to make contributions to the well-being of all God's people? It was the founder of the Iona community, George MacLeod, who said, The great community problem of our modern world is how to share bread. We will be sharing bread, bread for ourselves this morning, but bread for the world, for we are the living body of Christ. Now we know with hindsight that neither the flour nor the oil ran out in Zarephath, that village of the the widow. On that day or indeed for the length of the famine. And that means that God is true to his promises. God wants to bless and to free the earth. He wants all to work together for the common good, not just for God's chosen people, the people of Israel and Judah, but to all God's people. Elijah, therefore, is fulfilling the promise that God gave to Abraham, the father of all the nations, And the word of the Lord comes to various prophets in the Old Testament, reminding them of that need to be a light to the nations. And Elijah prefigures the lessons that Jesus teaches us when he comes and crosses the boundaries, when he encounters people of other faiths, people beyond the boundaries, the Syrophoenician woman, the Roman centurion, and beyond the bounds of gender and age. And so the child comes to share his bread and his fish when Jesus is confronted by a multitude of 5,000. 5,000, yes, probably far more if you include all the women and children besides which the gospel writer forgets about. Fed from such a sacrificial offer of a small amount from a child's packed lunch. Just imagine that. I don't know what you get in your packed lunches. Would it be 5,000? I doubt it. Such a small offering, but such a mighty impact on the needs of all those who gathered there through the might and power of Jesus, the miracle worker. The risky actions of the child parallel those of the widow at Zarephath. The thousands of women and men who listened to Jesus back then Remind us that the sharing of bread was fundamental to the way communities lived. This young boy transcends the adult fears of scarcity and gladly gives what he has, entrusting it to the common good, taking that leap of faith in this man, Jesus, who preaches the word of God, the bread of life, life for the world. Now, of course, the disciples, Philip and Andrew, don't think that the lad's contribution will make any difference. How often we marginalise the children and what they have to share with us, what they say to us, and how they offer of their own. But at least they trustingly bring what little the lad has got to Jesus. Divine provision comes through the risks that we take to listen to and to work with others in our community. John's gospel account that we heard from chapter 6 probably brings us to this communion meal because John has echoes. Although we don't have an account of the institution of the Lord's Supper, we do have repetitions time and time again of Jesus as the bread of life and provision for all. Not only did everyone eat until they had enough, but there were 12 baskets of food left over. Jesus, you see, doesn't simply want to feed those who are there, who are present. He wants it to be extended to all God's people. Yes, even to the ends of the earth, as we are reminded at this ascension tide. It's a meal not just for us as we gather around this table, but it's for all God's people, we go out as the body of Christ to share with others. And yet, as with Elijah and the widow, the provision of food to those in need is only part of the story. John clearly sets it out at the time of the Passover, the Passover which is such an iconic incident in the history of the people, of the Jewish people, bringing them out of the degrading oppression from Egypt. But it's a freedom that is only achieved through their collaboration and cooperation. Yes, listening to God, and yes, then responding to God's challenge to share those resources with all God's people. We, as the people of God, the new Israel, are called to be a beacon to the world of what it is to live as Jesus lived and as God intends and wants for the good of all. So too with the many aspects of Christian Aid's work in the world, enterprise-based development work, particularly responding to the challenges of climate change in an increasingly hungry and thirsty world. Yes, working with communities in terms of preserving or establishing land rights and getting a more secure future for the provision of food. The biblical stories, as well as the stories that we hear from Christian aid, speak of what we can do when we work together, even in the least promising of all circumstances. God is in us and we are in Christ, unfolding those purposes for God, for all God's people, so that the world may come to know him and believe in him, that he has come amongst us and loved us and given himself for us. So how are we going to play our part? And I don't mean how much are you going to put in your Christian aid envelope, though that is a small measure of our response to God's challenge to us. How can we bring to lives, to this community, and communities throughout the world, life out of death, and provide for the basic needs, spiritual and physical, of all in our world today. Christian Aid Week isn't just for May, but it's for all the year round, in challenging us to be responsible stewards of what God has given us, in sharing of the little or the more that we have with those who are less fortunate than ourselves. Yes, and mirroring that reckless generosity that Jesus himself showed to all whom he encountered. That was at the heart of Jesus' ministry as the human face of God. Is it at the heart of the church's ministry today as we respond to the challenge to give and give and give again? Thanks be to God. Amen.